Hello! Welcome to Stump Death and Taxes. This is Meep, also known as Mary Pat Campbell, a life actuary. And today, not really exactly talking death or taxes per se, but about retirement policy. And this week, uh, and today is the 17th of April in 2023, I have a theme called Choices Have Consequences. I'm going to be touching on some big choices when it comes to retirement plans, policies, that kind of thing. So social security type plans, as well as defined benefit retirement plans and regular private retirement and just retirement policy in general. And so these are going to be the big choices like retirement age and not really talking about individual retirement ages, but like what we just saw in France, where we are going to continue to see probably ongoing protests about the increase and yes, it's, there's more involved than it just increasing from 62 years old to 64 years old, but the constitutional court allowed Macron's kind of strong arming it in that, into that change. So that supposedly is going to go into effect. Um, and a referendum against that change was, uh, not allowed so far. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. I'm sure that'll continue on. So that's retirement age. That's a big one, of course. Um, and I'll come back to that in a moment. Another one is like kind of the nature of retirement benefits in general, like what level in terms of say, uh, replacement rates, do you have cost of living adjustments? And this can be like a social security type program, like how do you calculate what your base benefit is? Do you have an inflation adjustment yearly? Or is it level? Is it means tested? Is it tax? Is it taxable? Do you tax it? I mean, there's a lot of aspects of just kind of the benefits in general. And there's a lot of things you can do with regards to the shape of the benefits. What how much of it is guaranteed in the amount. So that's a choice of how you shape that. So retirement age, benefit levels. Do you pre-fund these retirement benefits? Or do you do it on pay as you go? Or do you do some kind of blend? And there are arguments that it's sustainable not to do maybe totally pay as you go, um, <laughs> but that it's sustainable under certain assumption sets that you could have a defined benefit plan for a public, uh, pension plan where, and I don't want to say 80% funded, but that it could be never totally a hundred percent funded. You could have a semi funded strategy and it's sustainable for certain definitions of sustainable and there's assumptions built into that and then finally for the portion that is funded you're going to invest it in some assets and maybe there's some leverage 
what kind of investment strategy are you going to take and what are the repercussions of that? So those choices and what consequences do those have? So there's always a bunch of different choices that can be made. There are trade-offs in these choices. So an early retirement age, of course, means you probably are going to have higher taxation or you need higher contribution rates. You have to save more or you have lower benefit levels because you have longer expected retirements versus you have a higher retirement age level well you know so i'm just talking about some of the trade-offs here if you have a higher retirement age there will be some people who will become disabled before that retirement age so maybe there's a disability program well we have that with the social security disability program i talked with somebody once about well what if we pushed up the eligibility age from 62 for the earliest uh, you could take Social Security benefits. And he said it wouldn't really affect the solvency of the Social Security old age benefit program because of the adjustment for early retirement. However, more people would take disability benefits. I'm like, oh, okay, that's a good point. Um, so that's an aspect in terms of retirement age if you push eligibility for early retirement higher. Um, that said, it's kind of interesting. There is some research and it's hard to tell cause and effect with some of these of if you set expectations of higher retirement ages, if there might be improved longevity. So, you know, um, there's potentials here, but I don't really want to talk about the actual trade-offs in these choices. Uh, those will be in the upcoming posts but a different choice that I will not be writing about that's implicit and drives the results in a lot of these. And that's how many babies? <laughs> because this is why we're running into problems now and how the choices that were made in the past for retirement policy are running into problems now because of assumptions that certain things would persist, or they knew it would not persist, but they didn't care because they could get away with it for a while, as with Social Security. And that was the demographic anomaly that was the post-World War II baby boom. And it wasn't so much that people had a lot of babies. That was not unusual per se. It's that they had a lot of babies who lived to adulthood that was the unusual part and that's what we need to think about in terms of total fertility rate uh, the graph i'm sitting looking at right now is uh, total fertility rate uh, children per woman and this is at our world and data though it ultimately comes from the united nations and uh, it goes from 1950 so not really all that far back, but 1950 to 2021. And it has a world average and you can also get it by country. Now these are just like the life expectancy at birth. These are calendar year and not cohort numbers, but it still gives you an idea of what the trajectory of fertility was like. And a lot of countries had a peak not right after World War II, but 
in like the late 1950s. That's what happened with the United States. Our peak was around 1957. Okay, with um, a total fertility rate in 1957 for the United States of 3.61 children per woman. Okay, now uh, in the modern age, most children do live to adulthood. That was not true, obviously, like in the 19th century. Um, I had estimates of like 40% of children not making it to adulthood. Uh, it may have been worse than that. Um, anyway, let's not go there right now. Um, with most children making it to adulthood, we got quite a baby boom. And again, the peak was births from around the late 1950s, not from the 1940s or early 1950s. Um, my own parents were born in uh, 1952, um, and I was born in the baby bust in the 1970s. So we had a dip below two. Uh, so our replacement rate with regards to like death rates and blah, 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 in the modern era uh, for uh, population to kind of be in uh, stasis, as it were, you need a total fertility rate of about 2.1. And the U.S. dipped below that in the 1970s and had a baby bust during the 1970s. It came back up for the millennials that we know. And that was in the 1990s. So yay, millennials, you guys were around for a while. And then it dipped back down again. And uh, the U.S. has been below 2.1 since, you know, it's been in the 2000s. So since my children have been born, post my children being born, huh, isn't that um, a convenience? Okay, so why am I talking about fertility rates here? Well, a lot of these modern retirement systems were set up essentially for the baby boomers' parents or their older relatives, I should say. And the baby boomers are, of course, in their 60s and 70s now. And they are basically retirement age. And they are the ones who are basically taking cash out of the system right now and are straining financial systems right now to be sure because they're dying off and no it's not because of covid per se though yes plenty of people died due to covid in the world um the uh there's plenty of millennials and gen x and etc we outnumbered the boomers in the united states however there are fewer workers to support retirees uh, in terms of cash flows. And that's because of <laughs> decisions made decades ago. Um, you know, for someone to be my age now, someone made a decision, you know, like 49 years ago, um, 50 years ago, I'm trying to figure out my conception date. Um, to uh, get it on, as it were. And, um, <laughs> you know, th that makes a difference decades later when you need a worker to support in a pay-as-you-go system like Social Security. That's for pay-as-you-go. 
But even for non-pay-as-you-go, even for funded systems, you have assets that you need to generate investment income. You need GDP growth. You need someone to buy your assets that you need to turn into cash. You need to sell it to somebody. Uh, if you need interest generating, you know, like bonds or something like that, you need someone who's borrowing the money. You need younger people. And if the younger people don't exist, you have a problem. You could have robots, fine, you know, to provide services for you as an elderly person. You know, Japan's working on that stuff. We like, Stuart and I like watching NHK World and all the fancy technology that they have been developing. And actually, I saw, I'm sorry it creeped me out, but uh, I do visit nursing homes as part of, you know, some of the ministry of my church. And there is this robot cat. It's like a lap cat. It looks like a sleeping cat. And if you hold it, it, it kind of purrs, it vibrates. And it's like, you can pet this robot cat and it purrs. Um, a lot of people in nursing home, of course, are in memory care. And so this is supposed to kind of help supposedly the mood of some of the people who, you know, might have senile dementia. Uh, that's the concept. I know this is probably not what you were expecting <laughs> in this podcast, but um, that is, that was, I saw this cat sitting on the table the last time I went to one of the nursing homes and it started shaking. I'm like, what the? Um, I thought it was a real cat to begin with. And then I realized it was like, it, it was a stuffed animal. And then I realized, oh, it's one of those robot cats. Um, anyway, yes, you can have those. But how are you going to get, getting back to the retirement policy? You have to think from a large scale uh, economics, all economic value. It all comes back to humans. You have to remember it. Robots aren't going to buy your stuff. I mean, I guess we can come up with sci-fi worlds and this, that, and the other where robots have to buy things. And um, yeah, I can think of some of the bad MST3K movies I've seen where the robots have to buy the electricity that run them. But no, it's humans. Humans have to buy the stuff. And when there are fewer humans, value comes from humans, not from robots. So that's just something you need to keep in mind. And if humans are not there... You're going to have trouble generating all of the assumptions that feed into this retirement policy. All of these choices are made with assumptions in mind. And most of these have been made with certain growth assumptions that a lot of people are having to rethink that that growth is not going to be there. And in some cases, there may be deflation. And that's the one they really don't want to think about. So look forward to these posts, starting with retirement age tomorrow. And that's been Stump, Death and Taxes. Talk to y'all later.